drumming. It's a good uh, one. Welcome to episode two of Pat Stands Inc., August 18th. Uh, we're talking Patriots. We're getting right back into it. Um, Connor, how are we feeling this week? Ooh, boy, it's been uh, quite the week. A lot of guys fighting for their jobs, if you catch my drift. Yeah, there's been a lot of fighting for the jobs, fighting for other things, too. Um, <laughs> you can tell a lot of these guys uh, haven't seen people uh, that they could hit in quite a while, and we're excited to do so. Yeah, you got to wonder if the the lack of, you know, real engagement last week led to this this week. Uh, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, it's just been an absolute all-out brawl every day at inter-squad practices between the Panthers and the Patriots. I can't even count how many fights there's been. There's been at least one a day, guys standing over hurt players, other dudes jumping in the mix. Uh, it's just been kind of a mess. Yeah, my hot take that's not that hot of a take. The Panthers are just a wildly undisciplined team. Uh, it's a it's a garbage organization top to bottom. Um, and this is a sign of why they're going to be another another year of losing, and Matt Rule is probably going to get fired uh, by the end of this year, if not midway through the season. Uh, they just mm -hmm. have no control. They're starting fights over everything. Um, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, he, they're going to go eight and nine again. They're going to, you know, pick in the middle of the rounds again. They're going to pick a defensive tackle to help stop the run again. And they're going to be the same mediocre team they've been for quite some time now. Matt Rule came in. They thought he was going to be the savior coming out of Baylor. He just wears a silly smock and lets his guys run all over him. So outside of the fighting, uh, big first thing to talk about this week, James White retires. Thoughts on that? Oh, I mean, what else is there to say? That's a true patriot. You know, he'll end up in the ring of honor, I'm sure. Uh, he was great for such a long time. It's fun. One of these days, maybe on EMQ, uh, every morning quarterback will talk about the Mount Rushmore of third down backs for the Patriots because we've had some of the best to play in the last 10 Man, years. have we. The foundation started with Kevin Falk, but I would say, you know, it's hard to take Kevin Falk off the number one spot, but I think James White, um, you know, in the short window that is his career, this eight years, um, is just about as good as you can be at that position for this team, probably the most reliable player throughout that time. Um, anytime you needed a first down, he was the, the guy to get it. Uh, the guy to step up in big games, probably the most consistent player week in and week out. He was pretty much a guarantee to get five plus catches to get 40 plus yards. And then a big game, he was going for 10, 10 and 80. And uh, I mean, obviously in the playoffs and he's won us three, he's won three Super Bowls. He should have been Super Bowl MVP. Yep. Um, and, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Brady in that game, but James White went insane in the second half against Atlanta. It's one of those things you, you get the, well, without him, you know, without his contributions, we wouldn't have won that game. No, like if James White wasn't playing, we would have been blown out. That dude stepped up. Uh, we're down 20, you know, 28 to three. He, he, he didn't quit. He didn't quit, and he ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown. What do you have? He set, the, set a Super Bowl record for catches. I mean, what more can you say? The guy single-handedly brought us back and won us a Super Bowl. I'm not saying other people didn't have great games, but without James White, that game's not close. Yeah, I saw people talking about early in his career when he was uh, either a rookie or second year, and uh, during training camp, a bunch of the players on defense thought he wasn't a guy who was even capable of playing NFL football because he was so easy to bring down. Uh, look how far he came. That guy just did everything right. Also set the record for 
uh, most touches to start a career without fumbling. So just a true Patriot. He had 530 plus touches before his first ever fumble. And he only fumbled twice in his whole career. Uh, just, just the most reliable dude ever. And according to all accounts, a really good guy. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Everybody top to bottom. That's there played with him has nothing but good things to say about him you hate to see a, a an injury contribute to to ending his career but you know eight years in the league as a running back that's nothing to sneeze at he had a killer killer eight years and i mean an unbelievably successful eight years so it's one of those things it's like when people's pet dies it's really sad you know and you're like well how long how old was he They're like 15 You're like well he lived a good life what more could you want i feel like that's kind of yeah. like james white career he, he lasted eight years. Hey, man, that's pretty darn good. And three Super Bowls, come on. let's. Yeah, and there was never any falling off. I mean, he just Hell was, no. was no. at the top of his game all eight years. So uh, everyone will forever love James White in New England. He's going to be a legend here forever. He's definitely going to the Patriots Hall of Fame. We get the him. red jacket uh, mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. Um, another Patriots Super Bowl legend, Malcolm Butler, gets put on the IR. He's not going to play this year. Did, have they have they said what it is yet? Um, maybe I'm ignorant. No, I think no. But let I, you know, we were both. I think of the opinion he wasn't gonna make this team, or if he did, he was gonna be on the outside looking in in terms of playing time. Um, you know, I can never hate on Malcolm Butler. I love that guy. Uh, so this this pro might be a good thing. He must be hurt. I mean, there's something wrong. Um, everything I've seen says undisclosed injury. Uh, yeah, there it is. Undisclosed injury, which is really weird. Yeah. You wonder if he was just struggling with a few things and, and, uh, behind closed doors said, they said, you know, you're not going to make this team. We don't want to cut you. You want, um, you wonder if it's Belichick just trolling the media, you know, cause he didn't play against the Eagles with an undisclosed injury. I, dude, I, for real, for real. <laughs> no, they were making the best decision for the team. That was the, they said that like 5,000 times. Yeah, Nick Foles threw him through for 4,000 yards that game. So I think right up until that moment, I loved Matt Patricia, and then I hated him forever after that. I still kind of hate him. He's oh, got to earn his way back. I He's, rooted against he, him in Detroit. <laughs> he turned into such an ass after that. After that game in the press conferences where he, he wouldn't say anything other than we made the decisions best for the team. Then he went to Detroit, and he's like scolding reporters to to – like show him respect and it was so weird yeah, sit up, now that he's, sit up. Now he's back here respect. and now he's like brown nosing everybody have you seen these like classic patricia no one believes it anymore though now we can do a whole segment on that so some belichick's tree guys they go out they try to run belichick's scheme uh apparently that's what mcdaniels did in denver and we all know how that went crashed and burned and reports out of oak oh God, i did it again vegas vegas it's a McDaniels is taking a completely new approach, um, you know, more of a player's coach, just kind of being more himself, kind of like he was as an offensive coordinator with the Patriots, not trying to replicate Belichick's system, uh, which I think is the best case scenario, man. You can't, there's nobody in this league that can run Belichick's system except for Bill Belichick. And if you talk to Boston media, apparently he can't either. Before we jump right. into a couple more specific things, briefly, uh, it just came across uh, my feed maybe in the last hour, but did you see Mike McDaniel? say that Tua is the most accurate and most catchable ball he's ever seen. Um, yeah. yeah, I think maybe for D-backs, the nice catchable ball. Mike McDaniel is starting to get on my nerves. For a while, it's like, oh, I like this guy. He's fun. What a different, you know, different type of coach. You know, he's out here buddy-buddy with the media, but also being sarcastic. 
I, I it's one of those things we all thought he was being like ironic, like silly, you know, like ooh, it's like a like an ironic Paul Rudd guy. I, I think he's just kind of a kind of a squid. I think he's I I, I I'm coming to the conclusion that he's just kind of a kind of a squid. I don't you, think I like him. You know the like thou doth protest too much thing. Everyone telling me incessantly how accurate Tua is is making me think they don't believe it. Like, you know, if you really truly believed in the guy, you might just shut up, but they won't stop telling us how good he is. And it's getting a little like, okay, like you're, you're exaggerating to a point that it sounds, maybe you think he sucks. Yeah. Maybe teams will think he's accurate and then game plan for it. It's like. Like, Hill saying he's more accurate than Mahomes. McDaniel, he's the most accurate player he's ever seen. Come on, people. Well, we had the guest on EMQ on Tuesday night, uh, the uh, cold takes guy, uh, Fred uh, Siegel, and uh, he made a pretty good point. He goes, well, what are you talking in terms of accurate, like completion percentage? Because two is going to be throwing the ball about two yards to Tyreek Hill running it in. And Jalen Waddle running it in. It's just going to yeah. be two yard throws all freaking day. Hoping oh, those that guys might catch work out great. That might, might work out absolutely. great. But you don't got to like tell me, you know, th- this level of ridiculous exaggeration, especially before the season even starts. I don't know. If about I, it. I feel like two is like, guys, shut the hell up. Jesus. I mean, Brian Flores was like going to war to get rid of this guy. But anyways, uh, uh, back onto the Patriots thing. We were on Patricia. Um, a lot of the controversy the last two weeks has been about who's calling the plays, who's running the offense, what's going on there. We saw in the preseason game, Patricia calling all the plays uh, when Hoyer was in, and then Judge calling all the plays when Zappi was in. Um, Andrews looked to be talking to the like he was the offensive line coach when Patricia was busy calling plays. So there's a lot going on there. Let's see. This is what Bill had to say after the preseason game when the media asked him uh, what's going on with the offensive play calling, who's the play caller. I do that, so. I mean, there's plenty of room for improvement. I'm not saying we're there yet, but getting there. Yeah. And ju- just really quickly, just to follow up, if I could, you mentioned earlier um, with the offensive play call, you're going through a process. What do you need to see to make a final decision? I just, we're going through a process. It's simple as that. Okay. It's just a little bit of a an unusual situation for us that have watched you guys right. before. Well, and so, I mean, What do you want me to do? I guess we're just looking for a little clarity as to Great. why. We're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah. Going through a process. Okay. All right. Just an all-time Bill Belichick clip right away to open the preseason. Connor, what do you want him to do? I, the, the, I mean, you know me. I, Bill Belichick, you know, I want him to be my dad. He's the greatest man ever. <laughs> Dude, that was a fair question, man. Like, at this point, I think he's like, screw it. I'm just going to see how patient these media members can be. He literally is like, yo, we've never seen a team in the history of the NFL have two guys calling plays, even in preseason, to two different quarterbacks. Uh, what's the process behind that? Don't do what do you want me to do? Yeah, what do you want me to do? Let um, alone, let alone, neither of these guys have ever called an offense. There, I mean, it's a defensive coordinator and a special teams coach. So, I mean, it is not ridiculous for the media to be asking questions about this bill, especially when on live television we're seeing both of them holding the play sheet and calling plays in a perfectly reasonable question and he just brings next level condescension snarkiness i i love it it, it made me laugh so hard um but what do you think's really going on here oh christ i don't know does anybody know at this point i mean we can speculate all we want i mean i i've i've 
I've sat down and pondered this for a while. I have absolutely no idea. And I think it's okay to say that all these uh, talking heads in the, you know, the old Boston media are, are throwing out all these scenarios or undermining Bill Belichick saying he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have a coordinator. He's, he's panicking. Can we just all agree that we don't know what's going on right now and that it's Bill Belichick's job to run a football team and that he might have, you know, a process, if you will, or an idea Connor, of what he's doing. They're going through a process. They're going through a process. <laughs> <laughs> through a process. So, so guess Trust what? Process. I'm not Skip Bayless. I'm not Stephen A. Smith. I don't have to have a hundred percent definitive opinion on every little thing. Uh, the answer to that is we don't know what they're going, what they're doing right now, and that's okay. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I I would remind people that the last time Josh McDaniels left and went to Denver. We didn't have an official offensive coordinator for two years. It ended up being Bill O'Brien, but Bill O'Brien was the QB coach at the time, and we did not name an offensive coordinator. Uh, one thing Belichick does, and he's done this with the defensive coordinator position too, is when he, he's bringing up a new guy in one of these roles, he's given him the reins, but he doesn't give them the title because it lets him take the brunt of the uh, criticism when things go wrong, when things are shaky. He'll take it on himself so those guys can just do do their job. Um, I do think what's going on here is I think Matt Patricia knows it a little better than Judge does right now, but I think Judge is the guy they want to be calling the plays. Um, so I think they've let Patricia kind of wear a couple hats while Judge gets comfortable. But I think Patricia's, in the end, the offensive line coach. I think Judge will be calling the plays. But I think both guys – Belichick is grooming to uh, have a little more experience coaching offense. And, um, you know, like really when it comes down to it, who cares? Is the offense successful? Are there people yeah. doing jobs out there? Does it work? Uh, the offense looks like it's getting a lot better. Yeah, I think we're going to touch on that in a bit. But just back at your point, I, I don't agree with that, man. I, I think it's a much different situation. What you touched on is that he'll take the brunt of it. Yeah, that works when it's, you know, Gerard Mayo and you know Steve Belichick, you know Bill Sun coming up, young guys that he's grooming to become you know coordinators potentially. Uh, that makes all the sense in the world. Guys that don't have a ton of experience may not be ready to handle what comes along with being a coordinator, the media, the scrutiny, all that stuff. These two offensive guys, that you know, offensive guys with <laughs> Judge, <laughs> Judge and Patricia, these guys have been head coaches before, and trust me, they have faced scrutiny. They. <laughs> They faced a lot not of well, scrutiny. Not well. <laughs> not well indeed. But my point is these aren't young up-and-comers. These are guys who have been around, earned titles, obviously done good enough to earn themselves head coaching positions. These are guys that can they can they can drop their own you know what. They can manage themselves. I don't think they need, you know, Daddy Belichick to take the brunt for them. Uh, that's why I, I don't think that's exactly what's going on here. I don't think it's Belichick taking the heat for them. These are two guys that should and could be, you know have been in the position of forward to take that heat. They're old guys. They're guys have been around. It, I just don't know what he's doing. I don't, I don't know the game right now. I don't know the game, but I really don't think it's that because uh, these aren't two young up and comers. These are two seasoned dudes who have been head coaches in the football in, in the NFL. I, I think you make a good point there. And, and I think, I do think it's good. It, a lot of the doom and gloom about it or the over, I think a lot of it's an overreaction. Uh, the only people I genuinely care what they think about it and how they feel about it are Mac Jones and the offensive line and the, and the players in the locker room. If they're bought in, if they're feeling like they're being coached up and it, it's, you know, they're fully bought in, then it, then we're good. Um, who cares what the meat Boston media or fans feel like uh, in the second week of preseason games. Um, and again, 
if it's clicking week one, no one's going to care. Uh, so that's what it really comes down to. This is really just fodder for talk right now for sports radio and Boston right. media. Um, and like it we is talk, weird. It is weird. We will say that. It's, it, it's, it's definitely strange. weird, but Bill told us they're going through a process. Coming. They're going through a process. So. They're going through a process. No, that's all and, I need uh, Thanks, buddy. So as part of that process, the offense kind of looked to be clicking a little bit, a lot better than uh, we were led to believe last week from the media. Um, the offense against Carolina this week showed a lot of promise. Uh, a lot of young guys showing up. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about it in our stock up, stock down type thing, but the offense sounds like it's where it should be. Uh, you notice all the, all the, the media is kind of shut up about the doom and gloom of uh, the misery of the offense. It, the first week, it, it, it required, like we said, the zone running scheme, all that stuff, it requires a lot of work. And that work's coming along real nice. And apparently this week, the offense has been absolutely on fire. Yeah, I think the media, uh, Boston media is a boy who cried wolfing us a little bit with the amount they talked last. They made it seem like, I thought when we went to the preseason game, or let alone when we went to joint practice with Carolina this week, I thought we weren't even be able to line up on the ball the way they were talking. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't know if the guys were going to have all their equipment on. Check, check the your splits. Guys. Check your splits. Yeah, seriously, I thought we were talking about like a middle school jamboree <laughs> is what we were going to be seeing here. Uh, you know, kids with the shirt on backwards who don't know how to strap up their helmet. <laughs> I forgot my pads, yeah. I, I go and I look at the, the live feed, people talking about joint practices, and I'm reading touchdown passes and stuff. How is this possible? So, so point being, it sounds like the offense is doing just fine. Um, the one I think I want to focus on before we go into some individual players and stuff, is how the defense played this week in joint practices. We had talked, we've talked for a few weeks about what we think the defense lost some key pieces, the linebacker issues at the end of last year got exposed. Um, whether we thought this defense was going to take a big step back this year, stay kind of the same, improve. It sounds like the defense is the strength of this team right now. So the optimist in me is pretty much what you mentioned last week is that, hey, hang on. Our offense maybe struggling a little bit, but I you you were saying that you thought it's because our defense was studs. You you said the defense might be a top five defense in this league. The offense is going through a process, uh, and that you know when you're facing first team reps against a strong defense, you're going to struggle. The optimist in me really wants to believe that now, and I really think that it could be the case. Our defense has shown up and is, I mean, on on every single position, there has been some serious serious. Uh, bright light shining on the Patriots defense. My hope is that the offensive struggles could have been attributed to the strength of the defense. I think right now that our, I, and you know me, I was saying, I didn't think our defense was going to be as good this year. Still skeptical. Uh, but my God, your points have been, I don't want to say your points have been made, but your points are coming to fruition. Oh, uh, a long it, way to be made. You got to play real football before. No, no, of course. Made. But right but, now it's sounding like we got some serious, serious talent on that defense. But, but yeah. And from the sound of it, the same thing that was happening to the Patriots offense and in, in regular practice happened to Carolina's offense when they went up against the Patriots defense, which is the defensive front for the Patriots oh. is just dominating. Uh, Godshaw, Judon, Barmore are just wreaking havoc. Uh, I mean, obviously we all love Matt Judon, but it sounds like Judon was a problem this week for, for Carolina. And that's not some weak horrible offensive line they have a decent offensive line did you um, see the report on weiss Diedrich weiss they say was absolutely making life a nightmare for icky the first round pick top five pick top yeah 10, welcome to the nfl pick. buddy 
Welcome to the NFL. They thought this guy was going to be a plug-and-play all-pro. They say Dietrich Wise made him look like a clown all week. And to the to the point where they were getting so touchy, they're throwing Dietrich Wise into women in the stands and, and trying to fight him because he touched their precious, <laughs> precious running back, which in fairness to them, I understand fighting over that because if Christian McCaffrey gets tackled, he's out for the season. Oh, so if he gets touched, he breaks you, the bone. You can't let him get tackled because that's yeah. it. That's the they end. All, they all drafted so. Christian McCaffrey. So I understand them being better. touchy about it. They're paying the guy half the salary cap, and if he gets tackled, he's out for the season. So you got to defend him. Uh so but yeah, no, great point. Dietrich Wise has stepped up big time, it sounds like. Apparently, he's like 15 pounds of muscle heavier than he was last year, which is a gr another great sign. I mean, the defensive front is great. The other big step up that we're, we're hearing a lot about is Jalen Mills has just been locked down. We were hoping that, too. Uh, we were talking Jalen Mills. We kind of came into the year like, oh, Mills will be our number one cornerback now that, uh, you know, J.C. Jackson's gone. You were like, yeah, uh, okay. And I'm like, you know, he's, he's fine, you know. Boy, he's playing like a top-flight cornerback right now. And what I'm even more excited about is, you know, we're, we're all about Terrence Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell's falling down the depth chart a little bit in a good way. Uh, apparently, Marcus Jones has stepped up, and he has earned that slot job. Of, uh, and, and I'll let you talk about the other dude who stepped up to take Terrence Mitchell's spot. Well, I mean, all of the Joneses. Are, are really balling out. Jonathan Jones is apparently just sounds like he's going to be the number two guy. Yep. Um, Mitchell, who all talk for the previous three weeks of camp, was that Mitchell might be the number one corner. It sounds like Jalen Mills is just clearly that. But a lot of people's concerns about this defense was the loss of J.C. Jackson, the aging uh, of Devin McCourty, um, that we didn't have really top cornerback play top good coverage because the linebackers are slow. Um, and that seemingly is resolving itself a bit. We'll see about, you know, the whole, when we face a real number one receiver, how that looks. Yeah. Um, but everything right now is looking like there's some decent cornerback depth here. Um, the young guys are good. Uh, it seems like we might've hit on a couple of these draft picks. Um, speaking of, let's just jump right to, talking about in the past week let's do our stock rising stock falling what guy's stock has risen the most in the past week what guy's stock has fallen the most in the past week connor let's start with your first guy whose stock is falling okay uh so i did stock down this week my first guy we'll just we'll go back and forth here so we can keep it keep it uh relatively optimistic but i'm gonna start with a guy that's not necessarily you know the end all be all for the team but this dude was drafted, I believe, third round a couple of years ago to be hopefully the heir apparent to, you know, the Gronkowski. He, this guy was supposed to be our next starting tight end. Uh, that's Devin Asiasi. This dude's fighting for the number three tight end job. And from all reports, all accounts, he's not earning it. He's not even out there grabbing that number three tight end job behind, obviously, Yanu Smith, who's killing it, Yanu Smith, and Hunter Henry, who, who did get injured, but it, uh, all reports, very minor. But doesn't that uh, give – that's almost given Asiasi even more of a chance, you know, to play, to show what he can do. Henry coming out should have helped Asiasi to step up. He's getting way more opportunities there, getting first-team opportunities. They say he's he's just absolutely not taking advantage of his opportunities. You know, they're, they're, it's, it's the third tight end spot, and right now they say it's up for grabs between everybody. In fact, we'll talk in a sec about a guy who just signed off the waiver wire, undrafted free agent. Uh, we won't get to that quite yet. but. We're bringing in competition. We're bringing in undrafted dudes who got cut by the Bills as competition for 
you know, a third rounder we took a couple of years ago who was supposed to be the next starter. So Asi Asi, he's in real danger getting cut at this point. Yeah, at this point, uh, we've we've sat on him for what three years of of oh he's gonna be all right. He's it's not looking good anymore. No, same with Dalton Keen. Like he just can't stay healthy, and it's time's up, man. Uh, give us one guy who stocks up. All right, my number one stock rising guy right now, the guy whose stock is absolutely skyrocketing in camp, is Marcus Jones, rookie corner, rookie defensive back, kick returner. But the place he is making his name right now is playing the slot corner position where he has apparently earned, it's seemingly the starting role. This is a guy who, when the Patriots drafted him, everyone said they were reaching. People flipped out, absolutely flipped out and said, "How? What a, what a reach. What's Bill doing? So every time you look at the feed this week in, in camp, this week in the joint practices, Marcus Jones is making a play. Marcus Jones has played exclusively this week with the first team. He's been the starting guy in that slot corner position, which is huge because that lets Jonathan Jones be a little more flexible and play different spots because we weren't sure what was going to happen with that slot position if Jonathan Jones had to go outside. Now it sounds like we've got a guy here um, who we got, you know, middle of the draft there's there's been some hits but and marcus jones's number one talent everyone said was was returning punts but it sounds like he's gonna be on the field a lot for the defense everybody made it sound like he was a purely a special teams guy uh not the case not to mention if we got a guy that can play the slot that well it's gonna let us play that defensive scheme that we love so much you know an extra safety on the field bringing somebody into the box like peppers uh duggar uh, if we can count on somebody taking care of the slot, we're gonna be we're gonna be in real nice shape. Yeah, for everyone who's who's worried a lot about the Patriots linebacker situation, um, I mean, this is a team that at most is gonna play two linebackers most of the time, maybe one, especially if you can have a slot guy like that and you're able to use Duggar and Phillips up close because all of the teams we play are not power running teams for the most part, especially in the division. Um, so again, the Marcus Jones stock skyrocketing. Great sign for the team. Um, it's great to hear how good the youth is right now on this team. Uh, all right, Connor, who's your second guy whose stock is falling? So it's actually kind of a combo right now, and it's falling hard. I got a couple of guys fighting for what looks like a, a one spot now, and that's going to be Yasir Durant and Justin Heron. Uh, offensive linemen, primarily you know tackles, playing for that swing tackle spot. They've been absolutely blown by uh, by another guy I think you're going to mention. For, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go so. right into him after you. There's not much to talk about. Uh, Durant, you know me. I never thought this man. This guy's. I've watched this guy play for a couple of years now, and he he's always making mistakes. Every time I'm watching him, I, I just don't think he's, you know, lack. I don't think he's a quality player. And Justin Heron is having a camp from hell. Uh, he's just getting beat. He's he's getting overpowered. So right now, I think Yasir Durant and Justin Heron are fighting for one spot. So both their stocks are down because at the beginning of camp, it looked like both these guys were, I don't want to say locks to make the team, but it looked like they both had you know, Heron for sure was going to take that swing tackle spot not only has he lost that he might be in danger of getting cut because we got a couple uh couple young rookies that are that are fighting to make that make that happen so yasir durant justin heron couple depth guys on the offensive line stock down that swings me right into my next stock up guy which is yadni kajust who with isaiah win going down with an injury he's been out of practice for the last week um what's new there yadni kajust has Filled has jumped right up into that starting right tackle role. And it sounds like he has fully embraced this opportunity. First of all, if you've seen him, the man is huge. Um, And 
he's played great to the point that people are talking about moving on from win. Um, I don't think that's a good idea because offensive line depth is just something you always need. And it is so hard to find a guy who can play tackle in this league, let alone play great, but just play tackle at an NFL level right now. It is thin and every year we're missing tackles half the year and between Wynn and Trent Brown, neither of those guys ever play all 17 games. Yeah, he ain't young either, so, exactly. Juiced yeah. is going to play a ton of football, and he sounds like he is fully uh, taking advantage of the opportunity. So Juiced is the next guy on the way up. Who's your third guy on the way down? This next guy, he's just been kind of a guy. Uh, we're hearing a lot of really cool stuff from camp. Uh, a lot of our, a lot of our weapons are really showing out. You know, Taekwon Thornton, Trey Nixon's. You know, uh, even <laughs> Nelson Aguilar this week. One guy we're not hearing a lot about is Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne stocks kind of down. He's still going to make the squad. He's still going to be a pretty good player. I'm just really concerned because he he came in, you know, with Nelson Aguilar same offseason. They both had real disappointing seasons. Uh, I think Kendrick Bourne could be a very good player, but right now he's just not really doing anything to wow anyone in camp. Uh, he was even reprimanded by Bill Belichick the other day. They were doing an inter-squad scrimmage, and uh, they had officials. After one play, an official had to send him off the field. They think it might have been like a uniform or something problem. He was do- wearing something he shouldn't have been wearing, something like that. So he immediately had to come right back off the field. These are reps you got to be taking. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a rookie, a seasoned veteran, or a superstar. You got to be getting in there, especially during inter squad practices with Bill Belichick, which we know takes seriously. Yep. Uh, and Belichick ripped him a new one on the sideline. So now, you know, we know Belichick. He ain't afraid to put you in the doghouse. So there's also been Bourne. a lot of talk about Bourne not getting a lot of catches so far in camp. And yeah. I guess yesterday, I think, is a bit of a punishment, a bit of a wake up call. They actually had him playing with the twos. Yep. Um, I believe in Kendrick Bourne a ton. We saw what he can do on the field last year, he can do everything. Um, he's got a lot of dudes coming for his job that are playing nice. If he got complacent, there's a these guys are competing right now, and that'll bring me into my my third guy who's on the rise. You mentioned him, Nelson Aguilar. Me and you both had him on the outs Just last week. Um, <laughs> and in fairness, you know, this is a guy we got maybe unfairly hyped about last year when he came to the team because we've always wanted that guy who can take off, take the top off a of defense and thought Aguilar might be that guy. And, he kind of didn't live up to it last year, but it sounds like this week he really showed out. Every time I was refreshing Twitter, it said Aguilar touched. I mean, yeah, it said Aguilar touchdown, Aguilar big catch. He was going up into double coverage and snagging balls that he shouldn't even get. So Nelson Aguilar up and up. Uh, sounds like to. he's going to be he's going to be playing on this team. You got to step up. I don't care who you are. We know Belichick ain't afraid to cut you. He, he if you're not if you're not playing the kind of ball he wants you to play, he's not going to keep you around. All right, let's. Uh, that's that group. Let's touch on a couple little small things happening this week. Some quick hits. Hunter Henry, minor injury. Any concern? No, nah, sounds like you know he, he's very important to the squad. Him and Smith, especially with no but no clear cut third tight end right now. Uh, I think they're just taking precautions with him. How about you? Um, I get nervous because he has such an injury history. Um, you know, we miss so much time with the Chargers. Uh, but it sounds like it's a minor injury. Um, and that does give me an, a kind of honorable mention of a guy stock on the rise. Johnu Smith, we expect big things from this year. Sounded like he had a good couple days. Um, but Henry's going to be back. It sounds like he's all right. Uh, yeah. And I love those two guys. So hopefully it just gives Smith some more opportunity to do some more stuff. Uh, we also, speaking of the tight end position, signed Jalen Wittermeyer. Any thoughts yeah. on him? Do you know anything about him? I know nothing. Mm-hmm. 
I looked him up real quick. Undrafted guy. Uh, Buffalo signed him and then released him. Hasn't done anything. I think they're just sending a message to some of the depth tight ends saying, look, your spot ain't safe right now. Someone needs to step up or we're going to start bringing guys in who do want to play. Former Pats first-round pick, uh, one of Belichick's favorite guys over the last decade or so, Malcolm Brown, got cut. Um, what do you think? Do you think there's any chance that we have any talks with Malcolm Brown? I don't think that's a position of need right now. Uh, you know, our salary cap situation is not the best in the league. It's pretty tight. Uh, and I think he's one of those guys that's going to get a nice little contract from a team that does want to stop the run. You know, your Carolinas, your Cincinnati's. Uh, I think that he'll actually get a nice little contract that even the Patriots couldn't match if they wanted to. It's not a position of need. I really don't think so. He knows, you know, he knows the system. He knows, I mean, you know, as a D tackle, he's been with us for a long time, did a nice job. I just don't think it's in the cards. Do you think there's a, what percent would you put it at him coming back? I think it's a, I think it's a low percent, but I wouldn't put it past Belichick. He has his guys that he likes. And if he wanted to come for cheap, I think they'd do it only if it was cheap, but I think there's going to be a market for him. Um, I honestly wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Vegas either. Um, Beyond that, uh, we got a preseason game tomorrow night. Uh, Do you expect brawls on the field with Carolina or they get that all out of them? Something's going to go down, man. Uh, (laughs) You know, I hate to bring up Mike Rice uh, from ESPN, but even he made a, he made a point, uh, you know, a decent point for once. And he's never seen a camp like this. He's never seen a week like this before the amount of scrums. I think Belichick's going to put the kibosh down, you know, treat this like a game. You can't fight in a game. If you fight in a game, we're treating you like you've been, you know, ejected. It's going to cost you. As as Damian Harris said, as you can tell, he's been coached by Bill yeah, Belichick. When right. asked about the fighting, he said, well, you can't fight in the game, so you can't fight in practice. That's Belichick, you know, that's a quote. Put it real simple right there. I don't think um, there'll be too many fights, uh, but I do think it's going to be a competitive game. I think both teams are going to go out there and want to kind of show what they got uh, because these are clearly two teams that do not like each other. Yeah, what's the main thing you're looking for tomorrow night? I just want to see the starters get in a rhythm, man. I want to see if we can run the ball, play actions. You know, I just want to see our offense flow, hopefully with a bunch of starters. Uh, and I want to see what rookies really step up on the main stage. That's – I feel the same way. I'm so excited. I'm expecting at least a quarter out of the first teamers. I'm so excited to see Tyquan Thornton on the field with the first actual offense with Mac Jones throwing him the ball. I'm just pumped to see Mac Jones out there on an NFL football field again. Um and then I'm really excited to see uh, who's lining up where on defense. Um, I'm sure everyone's going to play, but you know, with that first unit, how we mix it up, sounded like we ran all sorts of defensive schemes. Matt Rule said he saw seven different defenses from the Patriots this week. I love hearing that. Um, so for as much as they're talking bad about the offensive scheme, it sounds like the defense is doing everything. And we have such of such a, a multi-talented group of guys who can play a lot of different roles. I'm really excited to see the defense and what they look like tomorrow night. Yeah, um, on that, on that, on the on the defensive side, I am interested in some of the D line guys fighting for jobs. I think Henry Anderson's fighting for a job. Carl Davis for sure. Uh, Anthony Jennings was supposed to be fighting for a job, but that guy's had a lights out camp, especially this past week. And then our dude, LeBron Ray, man, uh, D tackle, undrafted. Uh, one or two of these guys are going to make the squad, and I think it's up in the air right now who it is. And they're all showing out in practice, but uh, I'm excited to see what they can do in a live action game. I'm holding, I'm holding on to it as my my absolute lock. I said it last week. LeBron Ray is going to be on this team. He's I'm going on to board. be not just on the team. He's going to have a real role. He's going to be playing a lot. 
I like if you're that a deep guy. back on the Patriots, you're playing. You're yeah. you're going to be a rotational guy. Oh, and and, and if you remember, one of our big weaknesses at the end of the year last year was that rotational D-tack. We were fine with Godshaw on the field, Barmore on the field, but they only play 60% of the plays. And that other 40%, we were getting our doors blown off. So yep. that next guy is really important. Sure is. Um, all right. That's, that's kind of it for our Patriots talk right now. What do you got for a little Boston sweep? All right, we got the Boston sweep with a brand new graphic. All right, so every week one of us will be giving the Boston sweep, just talking about a couple of things that are happening around the town and the other guy's take on it. We're running long today, so let's make this nice and easy. Let's zoom First in. one, uh, there was a video. I didn't tee it up, and I'm sorry about that, but Jason Veritek, our captain of the Red Sox, approached a guy wearing his shirt, a Veritek shirt. I don't know where they were out in public, though. He approached the guy, started talking to him. The guy didn't recognize him. Brendan, would you recognize Veritek? He was wearing sunglasses, too. Would you recognize Jason Veritek if he was wearing sunglasses? He started talking to you on the street. There is a 0% chance I don't recognize Jason Veritek. Mm-hmm. That's my childhood right there. That's like yep. I grew up in that. I would recognize Jason Veritek. He might be in the top five guys I would recognize if I saw him in public. That was that my guy, next question. That guy had to be prompted. That guy yeah, did he was not. wearing Veritech's shirt. Yeah. Uh, that was my next question. You know, besides all the big directions, besides all the bigs he was. Uh, no, take the Brady's off the table. Who's the one guy that you would recognize from a mile away from you know that from your childhood? Uh Boston sports guy. Uh, it's yeah. it's gotta be uh man, there's a there's a whole group. I mean, without removing like we gotta remove the big guys, like obviously you guys, like big David guys. Ortiz, yeah. Pedro Martinez. People like that. Um, man, I'm going to say, oh, man, I, I like this question. I'm going to say uh, Kevin Falk. Kevin Falk oh, is okay. like very unique face. You know Kevin Falk when you see him. I yep. like to say a guy who wears a helmet that you would still recognize. So Kevin Falk is my guy. And then I can I can actually vouch for this. Tuka Rask, because I saw him at the U.S. Open, dapped him up. Props to me. Hey. Uh, very skinny man. What a skinny man Tuka Rask is. But you never know with, with, with those pads. A mile yeah. away. You forget they have to be flexible, so they're not that big, but they always look freaking huge. Yeah. Uh, Willie McGinnis for me. That smile, man. You can't miss Willie. I love that one. All right. This one, the second one's a quick one, man. I was I was uh, out last night just having one at the uh, the bar and I watching the Red Sox game. Kike Hernandez came back. Did you notice? I had no idea. <laughs> um that's it. Well, I would notice anything that gets Duran off the field. Um, but I've watched like so little Red Sox baseball. It's such a infuriating team, uh, an infuriating ownership group, infuriating front office. Uh, it's really annoying to see the team kind of competing this week now that they have actual players playing the positions that they're supposed to play. All it took was getting kind of generic Eric Hosmer and Tommy Pham to kind of play competitive baseball. Those are guys they could have had week one of the season. And oh. maybe be in a better spot. Yeah. This this rinky dink cheap version of putting a team together they've done is really ups- annoying when you're still a 500 team and you could have been in this thing. Uh, kind of hate an, the franchise. It's an overcorrection from the Nebraska days, man. They just don't know what they're doing. The owners. Yeah. So basic point. No, I don't care at all. But I do like Kike Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. I was just like, oh look, <laughs> he's been out for a long time. All right. Last one. As a red, as a Patriots show, uh, we know your feelings towards the fine people of Buffalo. Um, you know they think uh, yeah, they, they got a nice team there, and they they certainly uh, they certainly know it. One of the biggest bands to come out of Buffalo in the last twenty years, 
heck, even well, 30 years, the Goo Goo Dolls. I've seen them live. Nice little band, put on a nice performance. They did a great job. Uh, I like them. I, I listen to them on Spotify. So sometimes I get those directed emails saying, hey, you, you want to buy tickets early? I got this email the other day. What the hell happened? <laughs> what the hell happened to the singer of the Goo Goo Dolls? I believe it's Johnny Resnick. What the hell happened? That's my um, question. He let it slide, Connor. He let it slide. Boy, howdy, did he? Um, yeah, I have no so, further comment. It's, you know, it's, Google that, Dolls are frequently played on this, on uh, our network of programs. So It's it's great music. I'm sure they're very nice guys, but Buffalo, <laughs> you got some Yeah, what's going on there? <sighs> I'm going to take that away. It's, oh, I put it back on. That's terrifying. <laughs> You're going to let it slide. He let it slide. He sure did. Good music, but my God, what the hell happened? Okay, that's all, all right, I got man. for the Boston sweep this week. On that, we'll, we'll close it out. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. Follow Every Morning Quarterback. Follow PSI. Give everything like, subscribe, retweet, comment. Do all the good stuff. Um, I'm excited to watch the Patriots tomorrow night. We'll be back next week. We'll be back on Sunday with every morning quarterback, but PSI will be back next week. We're getting closer to the season. Let's go. <laughs>